0: This week we feature singer, songwriter, badass guitarist, Ally Handel on Performance Anxiety. We spent some time talking about her music, but there's so many other great stories in this episode. There's the time she offended the tiger. Then there's the time she swapped shirts with Slash. Oh, and once she danced with Janet Jackson. Then there was a the time she was diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, for most people that'd be a pretty big downer. But Ally's attitude is amazing. You have to listen to this episode. Follow her and follow us at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe, rate, review, and share this. Allie Handel, everybody.
1: What do I do? Okay, I'm all you do is <laughs> I have performance anxiety now. Hey, everybody, this is Allie Handel. Look for my new single. It's a cover of Come Together. And look for it on Spotify. Follow me there. And I am having so much performance anxiety right now. Oh, oh hey, let, me, let me grab my coffee really quick. I just yeah. made myself some coffee. Hold on one second. No problem. It has to be properly caffeinated.
0: Oh, I, <laughs> I understand that. <laughs>
1: Even though it's kind of late, but, you
0: know. Well, see, I'm doing the opposite. I got my wine going. Oh, there you go. And Just in case things go south, I got my nice bottle of vodka. Nice. (laughs) So, we'll see how this thing goes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Sure. (laughs) So, I've been doing some research on you, trying to figure out a little bit about you just... Finding nice you know, things to talk about, and because I like this show to be a nice, casual conversation. And I read that as a six-year-old, you had a kitten named Carol.
1: I did. Carol. <laughs>
0: so you named Carol after Carol King.
1: Yeah. So you're six yeah.
0: years old, and you're already musically conscious enough to know who Carol King is.
1: Well, my parents were. I mean, I I, I love that, you that liked music. It. Yeah, yeah, I did. I love the music. I we had tapestry. That was the album. That's the, I think the only Carol King album I ever had. But I memorized it. I yes. love it. I still love it so much. And um, yeah, my kitty was named Carol after oh. her.
2: So.
1: But I mean, when I was in kindergarten, I mean, I I brought a stuffed dog with me and and made my teacher call me Dorothy. So I mean, I don't know about <laughs> that. <you> know. <laughs>
0: Okay, point taken.
1: The, the, te- the teacher called my mom, actually, and was like, we're really concerned about Allison because she's making me call her Dorothy, and we just want to make sure that she knows. You know, And my mom's like, she's going to grow out of it. Just relax. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know.
0: it's kindergarten. A couple months
1: later, it was fine. Yeah, it's, it's no big deal. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah. Did you
0: see what I made her dad call me?
1: No, oh, she didn't say that.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, that'd be something my parents would do. <laughs> so at what point did you start playing music? instead of just you go transition from listening yeah. to playing
1: Well I play I started piano lessons I think I started piano lessons like private lessons around like age seven or nine or something but my mom would take me to these Yamaha group music lessons and i still have my little blue yamaha bag with the little white bird on it and, uh, <laughs> all the, so i learned how to read music and and, and all that oh, um good. so i was really little i was like four or five when i was doing that but i mean that wasn't it was just because all the kids in my family we all took piano lessons and um we're all actually pretty musical Although i'm the only one who pursued it um professionally
0: i did hear something about your sister being a jazz pianist
1: yeah i have two younger sisters and one of them is a jazz pianist she'll never play for me (laughs) (laughs) why not but she's she's shy um and then i have another younger sister who is a singer and um she's great and she has two kids who are very musically inclined her son my nephew just played uh, with his orchestra he plays violin and
0: they played at Carnegie Hall. He was oh, 14. Wow. Oh, <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> I barely, I mean, I'm barely qualified to walk in there to watch a show.
1: I know, me too. So <laughs> I was just, I was very proud. I flew to New York for that one. I was like, I got to see this. It was great. Oh, it was amazing.
0: That is amazing. So you, uh, where did you go? You grew up in New York though, right?
1: I grew up in New York, yeah. And then um, when I was 11, my family moved to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. So like. Um, East Bay, not actually San Francisco, but.
0: Okay. So you, yeah. so you moved into like where all the metal bands were starting up.
1: Totally. I actually was at, I was at uh, a club called the Omni in Oakland. Um, and we were there to see, I think it was faith. No more. Uh-huh. And James Hetfield was in the audience.
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> I
1: was like, Oh my God. it's James <laughs> <Hetfield!"> <laughs> <laughs> and We were totally into Metallica. This is, this was before the, you know, the, they went really commercial, you know. Yeah. So
0: like, we were yeah. stoked. It was really fun. Oh, that's awesome! That's, you've got an interesting connection with with several prior guests here, so, so I will throw some out so people yeah. interested in you can go and and a little bit of self promotion, go and listen to some of the older episodes because I'd had Alex yeah. Skolnick from Testament on.
3: Okay. A while, a while cool. Ago.
0: And yeah. Bob Rock, Metallica's producer. Uh-huh. So oh, he, cool. So he was on. So I got a little yep. Bay Area thing going. Yeah. Little connection going. So yeah. and speaking of former podcast guests, you're friends with Laura Hall. Yes.
1: How, yes, absolutely.
0: I, I had no idea until you mentioned that. How did
1: how did that happen? She's amazing. That happened because we were both so funny because we were both at, I don't remember exactly which conference it was, but it was one of these uh, musicians conferences for folk musicians. And so I'm a singer songwriter, even though I come from the rock world. I'm also I love the art of songwriting. And I was kind of immersing myself in kind of the folk world, even though I don't really belong there, I guess. But it was part of my kind of musical trajectory. It helps guess. you song. Anyway. Oh, my God. Yeah. So much. So much. And I met Laura at one of these conferences. And then it turns out we found out we live like blocks away from each other in LA. Oh, wow. And, and I used to, you know, I used to watch whose line is it anyway all the time. And I was like, Oh my God, you you know, she's brilliant. And her husband is amazing. Oh yeah.
0: yeah, She, she was so sweet. She's, it's so hilarious because I didn't, she's one of the people that I approached that I really didn't think I was going to hear back from. Because I'm like, ah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I throw a lot of crap against the wall to see what sticks, to see what will come out. And I'm surprised at some of the people who say yes. And she was one yeah. of them. And uh, yeah. so everybody go back and listen to that one because that one was hilarious. So, yeah.
2: All right. Yeah. So back to amazing. you growing
0: up. You were so you, you grew up in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and but you weren't you, you didn't you were still playing piano at that time or
1: I was playing guitar, too. I switched. From piano lessons to guitar lessons at about age 12 or 13. Okay. It was really like I I met a boy <laughs> <laughs> who turned me on who turned me on to Led Zeppelin and I was like oh my god this music is so much better than like anything else oh, yeah. and and I I didn't really appreciate vintage keys or John Paul Jones it was all about the guitar riffs so. I was like, oh, yeah. I, need, I need to play the guitar. Mom, can I switch to guitar lessons instead of piano lessons? And I wasn't very good at the piano; I was just kind of average. And um, and she said, as long as you're taking music lessons, that's fine. I'm like, awesome! So wow, switch to guitar.
0: That's awesome! It's all because of Jimmy Page. Oh yeah, I, I love, love Jimmy, Jimmy Page. All right, so we're gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna drop my last name here, I think. So you mm-hmm. should go back and listen. I had Jimmy Page's daughter on a couple of weeks ago.
1: Scarlet. Yes, right. Yeah. Oh, the, she's a photographer, isn't
0: she? Yes. I'm a, I was a photographer. I studied that. That's what I studied oh. in college. Oh, and my God. she's one of the ones that I threw against the wall to see if it would stick. Wow. And like a couple days after I sent her an email, she's like, yeah, I'd love to. So I'm like. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yes. So amazing. we talk a little bit about growing up with Jimmy Page as dad. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. And then we move on to her photography. I had to, I kind of promised I wouldn't make it all about Jimmy. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah.
1: I can't, can't, it's hard to imagine what it'd be like to be any rock star or celebrity's kid in that way. Are you like trying to do something for yourself? You know, I mean, at least she's not a guitar player. That would be even harder. Exactly. I can't even imagine how hard that is. Exactly. Almost as hard as not having a famous
0: parent. (laughs) (laughs) Yet it does open up for some
2: doors.
1: (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Being a so, it will open up some doors. I will will say that. That's more doors than I have have, had open for me, that's for sure. Me too. But, uh, (laughs) so you start playing guitar, and are you just. Practicing woodshedding yourself, or are you playing with bands? What, what's um, going on?
2: I, well,
1: I was definitely practicing myself. I was also singing in choir, mm-hmm. and um, I had the most amazing music teacher in 7th and 8th grade. His name was Brian McKibben, and he was beloved by everyone in junior high. We, we were playing. He was in charge of the choruses, and he was a guitar teacher also, and we had this big music room with really tall ceilings, and it was covered with rock and roll posters. So oh, cool. Beatles, Stones, you know, CCR, all the, like, old, like, 60s and 70s, you know, Hendrix, all that stuff. And we would play, like, we I played Proud Mary on bass, you know, for the chorus the <laughs> course we did Proud <laughs> Mary. Like, it was such an amazing experience to, you know, to have somebody like that, you know, uh, as, a, as an early teacher gotcha. and an early guide, so... Um, yeah, so I'm eternally grateful to Brian, he's just an amazing, amazing human.
0: We'll have to send him this uh link, yeah, I'm we'll still in find touch him.
1: Today. Yeah.
0: perfect, perfect. Shoot he's him this amazing. when you're done because he he needs to know how important he was to you.
1: Oh, he he knows I dedicated my guitar book to him, he's he's incredible.
0: Oh, yeah. the, the uh, the, the Guitar for Girls guitar book for girls, yeah, right. yeah. We I definitely want to come back to that, so yeah, no problem, but. And with this show, we bounce around a lot, and not everything's chronological, so feel free to throw in stories, whatever you want. And I barely edit, so no
2: worries.
0: (laughs) All right, so at what point do you decide, I'm going to start playing with a band? I want to start playing out.
1: Well, that's a complicated question, because I do have some band photos from high school, and I share them with... Uh (laughs) I've shared them with people, yeah. I've... My mom didn't see them until like a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really, really, really embarrassing. I have this like VIP fan club that I have, you know, some of my biggest fans are in and mm-hmm. I share them, those photos with them, but only them. Um, I'm wearing like zebra spandex and like doing obscene things with a drumstick. It's really <laughs> <an> horrible. <laughs> but the best thing about it, yeah, don't fall. <laughs> Don't fall off your chair. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. The best part about those photos is that we took them, and I grew up in a nice suburb. Like, I was a pretty good girl into that, except for right. the fact it was a rocker. Yes. Uh, but we took those photos in um, a yogurt shop. Okay. <laughs> <was> a yogurt <laughs>
2: shop in Lafayette, yeah. California.
0: I was, I was such a poser. Oh my. <laughs> a poser. That, no, that kind of sounds like a California thing to do. <laughs>
1: It was so bad. That just, but I didn't ever play with them. I just, we took pictures and that's all I have. Oh. I never played <laughs> <came> with them. <laughs> it was so bad.
0: Oh, man. Okay, well, I'll stay corrected. That was a little poser.
1: It was super posery. But I think they might have played some gigs or something that I don't really remember. We were called Crusader. And they were like, in these photos, I think I counted eight bandanas. Like four of them were on the lead singer on their leg. It <laughs> so bad.
0: It wasn't like the Stephen Tyler where they were dangling from the <laughs> mic stand and stuff, where they? No,
1: but there's no mic stand in the photo. Oh, okay. But it was kind of like Stephen Tyler, but except for the lead singer was wearing a Garfield shirt.
0: <laughs> that's hardcore, right there.
1: It was hardcore <laughs> suburbs, yeah.
0: Man, you rockstar. know, what? a lot of a lot of stuff in your life revolves around cats.
1: Oh yes, that's right. I, I didn't even think of that particular thing, but yes.
0: Man, are you so, wearing? I don't know if cat- you
1: noticed what I'm wearing. I'm in my pajamas right now, I, my cat pajamas. I, I like, I've been a little under the weather this week, so I kind of came like, to the home
0: today. I like seeing that after the uh, the Skype messaging. I'll, hey, I'll wear. I'll make sure I'm wearing something good <laughs> <laughs> cat pajamas. No, I said I
1: look presentable. I, mean, oh. I, I put makeup on. My you know, I look kind of decent. <laughs> I'm just wearing cat's pajamas. <laughs> you know. Well,
2: you
3: know, hey, I'll I should have
1: brought some of my cats up to introduce you. Oh Maybe. yeah. Maybe people will get lucky, and they'll jump up over here. They're sleeping right now.
0: So. The lat, one of the last people I had on the show, we were in the middle of talking, and we were skyping. She was on her her laptop, and a, one of her mm. cats jumped over the laptop, yeah. smacked into it. All of a sudden, everything got all got shaking around. There's this big white oh. streak, and I don't know what the hell was going on. So uh, I'm, I'm used to yeah, I'm used to cat skyping. So oh, all right. So I'm good with that. If if we get a cat <laughs> right, on here, it's it's good. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> so who else was inspiring you? You had a uh, Jimmy Page. You, so you, yeah, you that really... was
1: big. Smith was big, too. Um, but when I was young, I was, I mean, young meaning like 12, 13. That's when I really got into metal. So I was into Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and yes. Metallica. Oh, yeah,
2: really. Yes.
1: Um, and that's when I was kind of learning how to play guitar. But I wasn't good so and I couldn't play all that fast stuff so I always had this kind of hang-up about not being able to play I must not be good because I'm not like Ingve. because yes. I because yeah. when I grew up that was kind of the the thing like if the faster you were the better you were and yep. it kind of got ingrained into my head and I don't believe that at all now but it's it was such a kind of carryover it's it's very weird because it's so not what I'm into now, but it's, uh, it was a lasting thing where I had to really get over that feeling of myself as not a, not a good enough guitar player because I never mastered the, you know, two handed tapping and <laughs> sweeping
0: bullshit. arpeggios. And-
1: yeah. And I mean, one of the funny thing is things that I noticed now is that people who can do that still do it. Some, mo- most of them, not, not the really tasteful people who kind of right. know, but, but it's like, Oh, I can tell when you started playing guitar because of the way you're yeah. playing it. And it's like, it doesn't really <laughs> fit. Uh, I mean, to me, it's just not my thing.
0: You're dating yourself by playing you're dating yourself. Yeah. It's
1: kind of like everybody sings like who started singing, you know, within the last 10 years. And they all like sound like, you know, 10 year old girls. Are like, oh, you, yes. you know, like, baby, that speak baby, baby talking. Yes. Baby talk, Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so that's when you started singing and you want to be whoever you want to be. I yeah. don't know.
0: You want to be someone a lot younger than you are now. That's
1: or or I mean maybe you maybe you are that young, but it's like you just want to be just like you know.
0: Yeah. Your instead of finding your own voice, but you know that's that's what happens. That's, that's part a, of it, though. Part, of, part, part of how part you of find it. your own voice. Yeah, and you know I the same thing. I started playing guitar in my my teens, and I did felt the same way. You know, I I was I think we must have grown up in the same era because yeah anyway satriani vi oh
1: yeah satriani was like you know i dated his the person who took over teaching for him so like oh, satriani wow. was like a big yeah And I mean, that was later it was in college but yeah
0: yeah and when, when i couldn't do what they did and and uh, i i was still listening to jimmy page but you know even jimmy played yeah. fast on, on you know, oh yeah heartbreaker and, and all oh yeah so i hearing bands like Soundgarden and, and Jimmy Page mm, uh, yeah. to, a, to a certain extent, but guys who were more about the feel, Black Sabbath, yeah. even, you know, yeah. the guys who were about the feel more than the speed really started to appeal to me. I mean, I, and I still love mm-hmm. Steve Vai and all yeah. that. I still yeah. buy his albums, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I still do. I still love that, that arpeggio sweep picking shit. But, <laughs> but, you know, I, I Obviously never went on to become a professional musician at all, but and I and I, you know, took a grand total of like six months of lessons. So I I taught myself and that's not a good idea because I don't know it. Why would I teach myself how to play guitar? <laughs> so
1: Well now with YouTube I think it's amazing what you can learn. I mean, there are people YouTube is the most amazing resource for really is. pretty much anybody. But for guitar players, especially, it's incredible. Yeah, it, like you want to learn how to play a song? Look it up on YouTube if you're stuck on a little section, because there's somebody there who can t- show you note for note what it is. No kidding. I remember
0: having to pick up like Guitar World and looking at the tabs and trying to figure everything out mm-hmm. through the tablature. And
1: you know, yeah, if the song was
0: done. Yeah, now, it, if they did, if they
1: bothered to do it.
0: Yeah, because it had like they would do like you know four songs a month, and so mm-hmm. you'd have to. And every time I picked it up, it was something like Rush. YYZ. I'm like, I'm never uh, going to learn how to play this. Right. I love Rush. There's no way I can play this. Why right. are you bothering me? Right. Oh, uh, so. All right. So what was your first actual band?
1: The first band that I played in, it was after I graduated from college. So I was a late bloomer. I okay. went to college and I was... um. I was a, For two years, I was a double major. I was a music major in voice, as in like, you know, that whole wow. opera thing. Yeah, and I got nodules or something. Um, so I had to stop singing, and I ended up transferring schools and taking a year off and doing all kinds of crazy stuff in Hollywood, which was amazing and an interesting experience. But then I ended up going to UCLA and finishing as a psychology major and I was going to go get a PhD and become a therapist. If wow. you can believe that. Yeah. And, um, my last year of school, I was just miserable. I was writing my thesis. I was like in the honors program. I got straight A's through school and I was like, you know, w- working my ass off. And Oh my God, I'm sorry. My cat <laughs> tried to turn the printer on. She tries. to, she tried. To, oh she tried God, sorry. No was problem. Just a little distracted. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, great. Uh, That's Princess Fiona. She she steps on the buttons of the printer and tries to get the paper to come out, and then she'll grab it with her teeth. (laughs) It's on my Facebook. Oh, that's great. (laughs) She's crazy. Um. Anyway, what was I talking about? Uh, Oh, college. College. So so yeah. So I was like, I hate this. I hate writing papers. If I go to get a PhD, that's what I'm gonna be doing. Gonna be doing all the time is writing papers and research. Right. And so I decided, okay, I guess I'm not going to do this. Um, but I ended up, you know, graduating, getting my degree and taking a year off before having to figure out like what I'm actually going to, you know, do to make money. Okay. And, um, I took a year, moved into a house in North Hollywood with four, was it four other guys? I got my own room, but the, the reason I moved into this house was because the garage was a rehearsal studio. Oh, cool. Yay. And everything. So I ended up getting into a band. I don't remember. Did I, I must've, did I get in the band first and then started dating the lead guitar player or I was dating somebody? (laughs) I think, I I think I got in the band and then started, I don't know. I don't even remember. It was so long ago, but I ended up in this band. It's kind of a blues band. Um, and I was the rhythm guitar player and background vocalist and they had a lead guitar player who ended up helping me become a better guitar player. He, he was a phenomenal guitar player. And um, that was my first band that I was in. And I kind of learned some of the ropes of being in a band and then the next band that I was in I was the lead guitar player and background vocalist and there I learned much more about how to really be an equal member of a band and kind of you know, I spent about 2 years kind of with all of my musical eggs in that basket of that yeah. band before realizing that oh if you put all of your musical eggs in the basket of someone else's music and they decide, "Mm, I don't feel like doing this anymore. You have no career. So, yeah. So towards the end of that time, I started writing my own songs and, um, started singing more and ended up, you know, kind of going the singer songwriter route and my own artist career.
0: So at this point, did you have any, were you, were you working or were you, was music your full time?
1: Yeah, my day job, no, my day job, I had a part, always had part-time jobs. So kind of like clerical-ish type stuff during the day that was really flexible. So I had nights off and I, you know, I wasn't working full-time ever. I never had a full-time job. Um, I always took jobs that would allow me to do music and when I needed to and, you know. I wasn't the best employee.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Well, your cat's pretty good. <laughs> and Fiona would be a great employee.
1: Fiona is a great employee. She's phenomenal. If you need someone to take things out of the printer, as long as you don't <laughs> mind, you know, fang marks in your yeah.
0: paper. Hole punches.
1: Hole punches. There
0: That's, you go. She's, that, yeah. At what point do you start selling your music because I've seen that some of your music has been in shows like Sex and the City Life as Mm -hmm. We Know It Joan of Arcadia Dawson's Creek and a whole bunch of other stuff Yeah. is this when that started happening for you, or was well, it later? I, well, uh, it
1: was a little later. So I, I was, I started writing and ended up um, meeting the producer of my first record at a local radio station called KCRW, and um, we ended up recording. We recorded my first record to two-inch tape, which was really cool. Oh, it was wow. in this. This guy had a home studio with two inch tape recorders and all kinds of great gear. Oh, wow. And I didn't know anything about recording. It was, you know, my second recording experience, I had recorded a demo with my last band at A&M studios, but I was just in there playing guitar. I was not doing, you know, I wasn't doing um, as much as I was doing with, right. with my sir, Tim. So, so the, the producer, his name was Tim Bamba. And he also had quite a bit of experience as a music supervisor. And that's the person who gets music into television and film. And oh. he knew a lot of other music supervisors. And this was in 2000, which was before every independent artist and their brother and sister was pitching their music. And it was also before a lot of indie artists had professional quality recordings. Like it's okay. still like I spent a lot of money recording that album, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was totally pro level recording. So it was licensable because in order to, to, to license music, it needs to sound uh, like it could go on the radio, you know, in terms of quality of mixing, mastering and all that kind of stuff. So he pitched it to a lot of these shows and that's how I got on all those shows. And that's how I learned about licensing, which, you know, took me and I I earned a lot more money licensing my music than actually selling CDs in those first years.
0: Oh, okay. Wow. And then that, that led lend itself to you starting your own licensing company with a friend of yours, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were three of us who co-founded the company and it's called triple scoop music. And we actually started with licensing music to photographers, professional photographers. Wow. like wedding photographers and portrait photographers. That was our first niche market. So that's how we started. And now we do a lot of other licensing, but yeah, that now that is my quote unquote day job. It's my company, but that's how I get my health insurance and the things that I need to like, you know, function as an adult and (laughs) regular steady income so that I can feed my music habit. And you know, so it's, it's an interesting kind of thing, but, uh,
0: yeah, you, music has led you down to areas you never knew you'd you'd be.
1: Never, no, and I never. Th- I mean, back to that whole book thing. Like, I never wanted to write a book. Yeah, <laughs> know, me, like,
0: how, <laughs> how did that get? Started? Were you approached by to do that, or yeah. was that something?
1: So, so with that first record, "Dirty Little Secret," and my second record, "Breathing Underwater." especially the first record, because it was a full-on rock record, and I did all the guitar parts. I do all the guitar parts on all my records. Yeah. And back then, it was before any, before Orianti had been out there. It was really the only female guitar player that I really knew about was Jennifer Batten, and she was oh, yeah. doing Michael Jackson, and that, you know, very different. Um, and she wasn't a singer. So I know there are plenty more amazing female guitar players. I just wasn't that aware at that time of them. And so I was pitching my own stuff at the NAMM show and stuff. I would go every year and try to meet all of the editors of the guitar magazines. And so I met a look who were at guitar player, guitar world. And a lot of these people ended up going to Hal Leonard and Hal Leonard is the publisher of my book. So okay. basically fast forward, like 10 years, they wanted to put out a book called guitar for girls that was aimed at young girls. And they said, well, who should we get to write it? We should probably get a woman. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so mm. Eventually, yeah, eventually I got called and they said, well, we want this book, Guitar for Girls. And I'm like, Guitar for Girls? Like, oh, what a horrible title. I mean, yeah. I'm just not <laughs> like I'm not into guitars that are made specifically for girls. Like I play a telly or a Les Paul. Like it's not made for a girl. It's made for a guitar no, player. A
0: lot of guys that can't handle a Les Paul.
1: Wow, well, <laughs> that's a that's but, yeah, chunky guitar. But like, yeah, but I didn't like the, the name, but that was what they wanted, and I had already actually outlined a whole book or DVD concept based on a manager that I'd had. He's like, "You need to do it." you know, you need to do a DVD or something. I'm like, no one's going to want a DVD for me. No one's heard of me, (laughs) but but I scoped it out. You know, I kind of sketched it out. And so when they approached me, I was like, well, I could aim it towards like beginning singer songwriters, you know, and they don't have to be girls, but that's what the book is called. So, you know, so I put in all the advice that I wish I had been told as a 12 year old, like, especially the psychological advice, like, because I was so intimidated, I was so intimidated, and I thought there were so many things wrong with me just because I was different. Like, I I can't wear the guitar down at my knees like Jimmy Page. Like my <laughs> arms aren't long enough. Like, and I just thought it was because I wasn't cool or wasn't good. And I'm like, oh, physiologically, actually, that just just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I don't, it doesn't work. <laughs> but I felt so uncool and so, and I just I wanted to try to prevent other young women or really any players from doing this terrible comparison head trips on themselves and, you know, as much That's as I could be encouraging and inspiring and all the songs in the book, except for the very first one were all written by women. So I was very conscious about picking songs that had empowering messages as much as possible. And as few kind of woe is me, love songs. Yeah. I mean, Cause there's just so many of those anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I put in an Ani DeFranco song because I think she is amazing. She's one of my biggest heroes in music. Oh, and, yeah. um, yeah. So, so that's, that's the book guitar for girls and I'm super proud of it. And I sell it, you know, myself in addition to it being in like guitar center and all that kind of stuff, okay. but I buy it for me too, you know, cause well, it's really just a beginning guitar book. Well, see, it, 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 it sounds
0: like, you know, your uh, degree psychology helped you out a lot yeah. with that book.
1: Maybe. I mean, I, maybe, I don't
0: know. Maybe subconsciously. I don't
1: know. I, I was it might have yeah, although it's more about the side. it's not really about how to get along with people or like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's more well, the, the class that I liked the best was called Psychology and Law. And that's where Ooh. we studied serial killers and like abnormal psychology.
0: Oh, <laughs> see there you go. So,
1: they, I'm obsessed you, with true crime, so that was like fascinating. Oh, it was terrifying. I locked my door and like double checked every night. <laughs> it was terrifying
0: You watch you ever watch, you watch Mindhunter?
1: I haven't, but I listen to oh. I listen to the podcast from um all these FBI profilers and stuff. So I mean I'm totally for oh. the talk about it.
0: You gotta check out yeah. Mindhunter. That's such a great show. If, if that's I what you know. like.
1: I love it. I've read the books by the guy. I forget what his name is, but
0: um Oh, I
2: don't I don't remember.
1: <laughs> yeah, all the, I mean I've read books by all these profilers and I listen to the podcast, but I don't watch a lot of television, but I do, you know. I love listening to podcasts. Podcasts are the best.
0: They are. They're all awesome because they're always there. You can listen yeah. whenever you want to.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And you can listen while you're like, you know, doing whatever.
0: Exactly. You know. exactly. And you can record them while you're doing whatever too. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, trying not to watch the World Series. That's what I'm trying not to do oh. right now.
1: Is it on right now?
0: Yes. It's, uh, it started. Oh. Let's see. I don't know. I've got to see what time it is. Uh, I, I started so- like 20 minutes ago.
1: Oh dear!
0: Oh, but it's incredible. probably better that I don't watch it right now because it's game seven, and I'm—I'll get into it later. <laughs> Last Are you going to
1: watch it from the beginning? Are you
0: going to? No, I'll, like, I'll, I'll pick it up live.
1: Gonna,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. At, at that point, I'm, there's no point because I'll be watching the the post game stuff anyway. So, okay. <laughs> don't they'll, they'll replay everything that's important. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. and you ended up playing on a. Uh, Singing background with Neil for uh, Neil Young's album. uh, Yeah, living
1: with war. war. Yeah. How did that? So that was an Oh my god! It. This is one of the examples of living in L.A. There are certain things that won't happen if you don't live in L.A. Okay. You know, or New York, or you know, one of those things. So the night before the recording session, a girlfriend of mine that I did other singing gigs with called me and said, "Hey." Uh, do you want to sing on a Neil Young session tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, uh,
0: yeah. Hmm. Let me think she's about like, it. Okay.
1: Yeah, right. And I'm like, yes, I do. And uh, she's like, okay, cool. Here, well, um, you know, get your information to Rosemary Butler, who is the woman who was contracting it. So there's 100 singers who were on this, and it was a huge choir at Capitol Records Studios, you know, Studio A, where Frank Sinatra did all of his iconic recordings. Oh, oh, yeah. It was amazing. And Neil was there conducting us, you know, when Rosemary wasn't. Yeah. And he would explain, like, what was behind the songs. And I mean, some of them were very clear. And then others, you know, he would explain to us and he would, you know, explain how he wanted us to sing. And it was it was amazing. They were like top, the top session singers in the world there, down to like my friend's husband who didn't ever professionally sing, but he could definitely carry it to Like it was yeah. just a whole yeah. wow of, of people and it was amazing. And it was just a full day of recording. And, um, and that was it one day, one day, but it was super cool. Yeah. Nice.
0: Now, speaking of other of legendary performers, you also performed with, uh, Paul Williams.
1: Yeah. Can you tell me a little yeah. bit
0: about that? How did that happen?
1: Oh my gosh. Paul Williams is just the most amazing human. um, So as part of my winding weird trajectory in my career. (laughs) um, So it was interesting, like before the time that I had my music licensing company, when I and after I had quit my part time day gigs, I was doing music full time. And when I was doing music full time, I was doing these gigs at what they would call like new thought churches, which is kind of like. It could be called like Center for Spiritual Living, like kind of non-denominational, you know, they would just as quickly quote John Lennon and Martin Luther King Jr. as Jesus or whoever, you know, whatever. It's kind of a place for everyone to go. I I was raised atheist, so even that for me was kind of difficult. Like I have a hard time with the whole God thing and whatever, just because of the way I was raised. But... People are amazing people. And one of the churches that I sang at was attended by Paul Williams. Oh, wow. And yeah, and he heard me sing and he loved my voice. And so we ended up developing a friendship and he hired me to sing with him in Vegas at his show. That's um, it was so amazing. His show is so great. I think he does it like once a year and um, he sings all of these hit songs that most people would have no idea that he wrote. Like, you know, he wrote Rainbow Connection for yes, Kermit yes. the first, which is
2: oh, yep. amazing. Like so
1: <laughs> but he also, he tells the stories behind writing all these songs. Like oh, he wrote the God. theme for The Love Boat, which I totally grew up watching. Oh my you gosh. Know? But that song started out as a television commercial for like, I don't know, it was like a mortgage company or something. It was like I, a...
0: Yes, I have heard that story. It's a bank or mm-hmm. something like that. Yes.
1: A bank, yeah. So, so he tells all these stories, and he's so funny, and he's such a great entertainer. And then I came out and sang the two songs that need to be sung by a woman. So it was Evergreen, which was slightly intimidating, you know, <laughs> to sing that.
2: Um,
1: and um, woman, woman in the Moon, which is a really cool song that I, didn't re- I wasn't really familiar yeah, with. Yeah, I, I
0: don't remember that one.
1: Yeah, so they were both from a *Stars* born. Um, okay. You know, the version, the version with Barbara in it. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So um, he and his wife Mariana are just both amazing, wonderful people. And so we've developed a friendship, and um, I did a little bit of songwriting with him, and hope to do a little bit more in the future. And um, they're just, they're just wonderful people. And he's given so much back to the songwriting community. I mean, he's head of ASCAP now. You know, he's been.
2: Oh, wow. but he's
1: been. I don't know if it was president or chairman of the board. I think he's been president of ASCAP for many years now. And he's really on the. And plus, still co writing with tons of bands. He just won like seven Grammys or something with Daft Punk several years ago. Like, and, oh, wow. you know. I didn't realize it, that. It, yeah, it's, he's amazing. He's amazing. And he's got the energy of like a 22 year old. Like, oh
0: my God. Incredible. That's yeah. fantastic. Just, speaking of yeah. songwriting, I was. Listen, looking and listening to your albums and, and looking at the uh, the dates on your albums. Now, your first album came out in 2000. Mm-hmm. All right, that's Dirty Little Secret. And then right. it took four years for Breathing Underwater to come out. Yep. And then six years for Make Your Move and then seven yep. for That's What She Said.
1: So you, you're, seven? It, yeah, it that's true. This is
0: 2017, so... It's getting so, longer and longer. Why are you making everybody yeah. wait so long to hear your new music?
1: Um, part of it is because I pay for it myself. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
1: but also between like between the third and fourth records, I wrote the book, so that took about a year okay. to write that book. And with along with writing that book, I recorded like. 50 tracks of music and then with vocals and then without vocals and all this stuff that goes along with the book. So I recorded that whole DVD It's kind of, a, it was a huge project actually. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of like another album for me, even though it wasn't an album. Um, but I, you know, especially in the beginning, I was not very prolific of a songwriter and I okay. wrote mostly by myself. Now I write a lot more. I co-write a lot more, but I also, I just do a lot of things, you
2: know. <laughs> like a lot
1: of irons in the fire. Lot of, a lot of irons in the fire. You know, I have my, you know, I have to make a living. You know, it's just interesting like I probably spend as much marketing my music as I do on selling my music. Okay. You know, and I'm working on becoming profitable so that I can, you know, kind of actually make more of a real living from that, but I just know I've done kind of every every way you can do it except for having a full-time job and doing music on the side, but doing the part-time work thing. It's interesting. Like there's, there's kind of a big ego thing with being a full-time musician. I definitely feel it like, like being able to say like, I make music full-time and that's how I make all my money. It's a, that's really something to be proud of. And it's great. However, when I was doing that, I was doing a lot of gigs. I, are we allowed to swear? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I fucking hated a lot of these
2: games. (laughs) I
1: hated them. I was playing background music Uh, in shitty bars and restaurants. I was playing at churches where I was uncomfortable with some of the messages or just I wasn't. It just didn't fit for me musically. I was playing. I was singing backgrounds in bands that were horrible musically, um, even if the other things like the pay was great. Yeah. And I was driving two, three hours to play background music at a mall like okay. I didn't want to do that. So so for me now you know part of the whole thing of like having a part-time job or you know my own company or whatever I can work from home or from the road or whatever and now I only do music I absolutely love and I'm passionate about and it's it's just very freeing and it keeps me artistically so much happier. <laughs> it's still, uh, you know, it's still like, I still want to spend all my time making music, but, but I don't yet. Right. Um, but it's, it's really interesting. I, you know, there's, there's pros and cons, but I was just finding, you know, I wasn't able to make the living that I needed to make with the kinds of gigs that I was getting at that time. Okay. And I was like, until I can do it with making music that I really want to make, I, I, I don't want to do it. It just—it was so much energy, and it was such hard work. And musically, it was really not satisfying. And I just didn't. Ugh, it was not
2: good. <laughs>
1: it was not good. And not to say that that, that it's impossible. I think it's absolutely possible. Um, but everyone has to find their own way. And I think it's a different story for everybody.
0: You do some really awesome covers when you play live. I was listening to some okay. of them on YouTube, and you do a. Cool, a really kick ass version of my Sharona. I love it. That was great. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I okay, here we go. I'm looking for my list here. Whole lot of love, black dog, what isn't what should never be. And
1: if I say to you tomorrow, take my hand, child, come with me. The castle
0: I will take you is it tough to be both Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on stage? Yeah,
1: but I love it <laughs> I love it and I I can't do every song like not every song. Works for me vocally, you know. But I really love it. I've also done "Walk This Way." I did that once. Oh, really? um, It was really hard because when you've got a syncopated guitar part and and or a syncopated vocal part, and they're like on different. Beats. It takes a while to get it, but when you get it, it is the most satisfying thing ever. So is, I it, love doing that.
0: Does that get recorded anywhere? Is there anywhere I can hear that? It hasn't.
1: But oh. no. But maybe I'll do it someday with with my band or something. But um, it was it was. I did it for a benefit, but unfortunately, I, I had no control over the rest of the band. Like the the bass player was amazing, but the drummer wasn't. And you can't play Walk This Way without an amazing drummer. Oh, it yeah. doesn't work at all. It's, no. It's horrible yeah oh, so yeah. i was like yeah that, that can't see the light of day
0: <laughs> so. you did uh, a song with tony franklin Yeah, one of my favorite artists. I absolutely so love Tony. Tony. I love Franklin. Tony. Yes, I, everything he's done from Roy Harper through the Firm, Blue Murder. I just I, have you I, had
1: him on the podcast?
0: No, I've reached out to him and I can't. I haven't gotten a response yet. So
1: okay, I'll I'll bug him for
0: you. Oh, that would be
1: amazing. He's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing.
0: Now Was that something where you reached out to him, and was that just because of the Jimmy Page connection?
1: No. So well, I did reach out to him, but. I met him backstage, so back around, was it like 2007, I was endorsed by Fender, and they flew me in the band out for some shows in Arizona for oh, this, cool. uh, some festivals, yeah, it was really cool, and he at the time was working for SWR, which Fender owned, okay. and he was backstage, and of course, I knew who he was because of the firm and I still have my concert tickets from seeing the firm twice. So he was backstage and he had a laminate that said Tony Franklin and he was blonde. And I'm like, Tony Franklin. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God. The Tony Franklin. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, you are Tony Franklin from the firm? And he's like, yeah. And I don't know that he was that used to people, you know, coming up to him. Like, you know, I don't know how many people, at that time we're, we're doing that. Yeah. And so anyway, I was like, I was like, totally like, you know, totally fangirling on him. And so, <laughs> so as soon as, so once we got back, I was like, well, I'm just going to work with Tony now at Fender. Like <laughs> Tony's the guy So Tony ended up being like, I, I was like, he's my A&R guy at Fender. I don't care that he works for SWR. <laughs> so I would go visit him and I actually brought, I, I showed him my my ticket stuff. I'm like, look, this is when I saw you when you were with, oh with my the firm and everything. That's awesome. So, so we were, you know, we were working together at Fender and we stayed friends and, um, and actually, uh, I signed some of his songs to uh, triple scoop music, my licensing company. So we Gosh. represent him.
2: That is awesome.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And so when it came time to record, I, so we had recorded my, my whole record, uh, make your move. But then I felt like I needed one more song on it to be like, I don't know, to have all these elements that I thought would be radio friendly, which is hysterical because like what does <laughs> that matter? But, you know, whatever, I was trying to play the game yeah. at that point. Yeah. And um, so I was like, well, I'm going to ask Tony to be on this because I, I I was using a different drummer and so I'm like, I'm just going to get a different rhythm section in. And um, oh, he was amazing. He was oh. amazing. So it was so much fun to work with him.
0: It's so, You can pick his bass out like, yeah. out of you throw a hundred bass players out there, I, you can pick him out in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's amazing, and he's an incredible, just sweet person too. I mean, that's the thing that I've found, and maybe I've just been lucky, but most of the people that I meet who are highly successful, they are so nice. Like they're just—they don't have anything to prove. Yeah, the ones that the ones that I know, anyway. I mean, I'm sure there's people who are jerks, but
0: like. <laughs> well, I'll be. I haven't, I probably haven't had as much experience with higher profile artists as you have, but the ones that I have had, I would agree that they, they, they've, they've been yeah. very nice to me on, on the show, um, yeah. talking with them, reaching out and, and even promoting and, and helping to further the episode you know, saying yeah. Hey, I was on this show. So, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I honestly, I don't think I've met anybody on this, sh- doing this podcast that I wouldn't want to have back so that's nice yeah that's nice so it's it's i've got a really good thing going with these I meet some really awesome people people yeah. like you laura hall you know really really that's kick-ass fun. people so yeah. i i heard of read, heard I don't, know, I don't know what the right way to put this is some interesting stories and i want like you to tell me <laughs> a little bit more about these I heard that at one point you traded T-shirts with Slash.
1: Oh, I did. Yeah. How did that happen? So I used to go to this jam session at the Baked Potato in, uh, I I don't know if it's technically Hollywood or whatever, but it's uh, right down the street from where I live now. Okay. And uh, it was this, like, all-star jam where Slash, Slash would show up quite a bit, and he ended up getting a lot of his players on his solo tours from from there. Okay. Um, And uh, people like Teddy Andriatis. I don't know if you know him, he's an amazing keyboard player. He plays with everyone. Um, He would be there, and a guy um, named Alan Mercatani, who has uh, sadly passed away, but incredible guitar player. Like, these guys are just all, like, top, top session guys. And I would go to this jam and be terrified, but I would get up and play. And um, one night, Slash was there, and I, he asked me, I don't know what t-shirt I was wearing. I have the, the worst memory. I don't remember which one it was that I was wearing. It could have been, it could have been, I had a shirt that said girls kick ass. So it could have been that one. Cause I don't have that anymore, but I don't know. <laughs> it's like something funny or something like that. And he's like, can I, you know, I want your shirt. Can I have your shirt? And I'm like, um, Okay, trade shirts with him I'm like, okay um, Give me your shirt And then I'll go in the bathroom And, you know So He g- he took it's off his so- shirt And gave it to me It was super sweaty <laughs> But I didn't care Because it was Slash I was like, oh my god I moved to LA Because Guns N' Roses was there. Like, I chose a college in LA Because Guns N' Roses Was in LA so like, Oh, wow so Slash was like a big deal to me That's awesome And so I was like Oh my god I slashed his t-shirt But he was wearing this Big white t-shirt That just says Sex on it <laughs> So like I couldn't even wear it it was like, what am I, I mean, I did like a photo shoot with it once, but like, it was like I'm not going to wear this shirt. Yes. White is my yes. least favorite color to wear. So, <laughs> so I, but I, but I treasured that shirt. I still have it in my closet. I love it. Oh, but yeah. I thought I was super special until my friend Johnny, who went on to play bass for him. Uh, was like, no, Slash does that all the time. He has like a closet full of shirts from other people. I'm
2: like, oh, god damn it. Jeez,
1: <laughs> man. I am not
2: special. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: it's awesome. I, did, I also saw a video of you upsetting a bunch of lions and tigers by Serenade. Oh, yeah, you. yeah. yeah. That was really interesting. How did, What was that about?
1: That, okay. Do you know who Tippi Hedren is? Yes. Yeah, so she is, for people who don't know, Tippi Hedren is many things to many people. Um, one of which is she is an actress who was the main actress in The Birds, yes. the Hitchcock movie The And Hitchcock went on to basically ruin her career because she wouldn't sleep with him. Yes, and
0: I've heard that.
1: Horrible, Yeah. But she she was an actress and um, and she's she's, um, she's she had gone on after working in film. She went on to become very very big in big cat conservation and she founded Shambhala, which is this amazing. Actually, I think I have a photo I can show you on my wall of these oh, little yeah. tigers. I don't know if you can see that. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's signed by Tippy Hedren because my husband the, proposed to me at Shambhala. Oh. So they have these. So I used to, so I, so I'd heard about this place where you can, you know, see lions and tigers and stuff fairly close up. And, um, so I, we went there, he proposed to me, but then I started volunteering there and we entered a raffle and we won an overnight stay at Shambhala. So we got to stay in a tent Overnight, And I brought a little digital recorder with me. I don't know where this is, but I recorded the lions. They roar all night. It's amazing. It's oh. crazy. So I went up. So, so during part of this, like we had a day and they would like take us around. And we, could, you know, so I ended up serenading the lions and the tigers with my guitar. And we took some video of it. But it, was, it was really fun. It was fun. Also Melanie Griffith's mother.
0: Yes. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I'll promote this. Uh, she was on a, a not my podcast, but she's on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast. So if you are ever interested in in uh, hearing Oh, Tippy was? Yes. Gilbert oh, Gottfried's okay. podcasts are hilarious.
1: Oh, I've never heard it. Okay.
0: Oh my gosh, he's done a ton of he's he's done a few, you know, several hundred of these. It's called Gilbert Gottfried's <laughs> Amazing Colossal Podcast.
1: Oh, I've heard the name, but I've yeah. never actually. Oh, I gotta check she it was, out.
0: Yeah, she was on. I think I can't say it was recently. I don't know because I've just kind of listening to him out of order. But she was yeah. on, and she talks about having the big cats roam around the house while Melanie oh, well, was a I kid. Oh, I've read
1: her book. Gotta read her book. But yeah. it's it's out of print, so you have to like really search for it. But I think it's is it called The Cats of Shambhala, I forget. It might be called the Cats of Shambhala, but she okay. talks about like Melanie. There's a picture of Melanie sleeping in bed with either a tiger or a lion. Like as a little kid, insane. it's the most irresponsible yeah. thing ever. Like she says that. She's like, she does. The, I can't even imagine. Like she's so against that now, but she yeah. just, oh my God. She I mentioned mean,
0: that on the, po- on Gilbert's so podcast terrible. too. She's like, right. I don't know what I was thinking. Insane. It really yeah, is.
1: It, yeah. But there's, they do look really cuddly. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Well, yeah. You want to just mush the little face? The huge
2: faces. The big face.
1: They're and big faces. They're big teeth. Sharp, pointy teeth. Yeah.
0: I try to do a lot of research, and I try to. I don't want to ask everybody the same questions you get asked about a billion times. So, and I don't want to throw out things like, "Hey, give me the best piece of advice you'd give to an upcoming artist." I, I don't like throwing that kind of stuff at you. What I did find out, though, and I want to hear about this, if this is true, that you danced on stage with Janet Jackson at the American That's Music true. Awards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is true.
0: Okay. And... <laughs> <laughs>
1: you are the, the look on your face. If people could see your face, <laughs> you didn't bother with the follow-up message. Okay. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm kind of, I'm not I sure if I need to... don't how that g- happened. I'm, yeah, I'm kind of like... Do I want to know that one? Yeah. So how I did know. that okay, how did that one come about? When what song okay. were you dancing to?
1: Escapade. Okay. Come on baby, let's get away. Come on baby. Oh, okay. Escapade baby. So I'll never forget that song now.
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so how did that happen? How did you get that gig?
1: Okay. Again, another only in LA story. <laughs> so, remember back about 35 minutes ago when I said I took basically like a gap year between colleges yes. when I was like working my voice. So I was really into dance and I was taking like three classes a day of like jazz and ballet and turns and all this stuff. I was like dancing, dancing, dancing. I loved, loved dance. Wasn't that great, but loved it. <laughs> Would have loved to be a professional dancer if I'd started wow. when I was five. Would have loved it, but was never that great. <laughs> but I was taking all these dance classes and I met this gorgeous woman named Denise beautiful beautiful woman her husband was a director and had directed the film The Abyss and he ended up directing Janet Jackson's video Escapade and they hired Denise to be the huge butterfly in this video so Denise is Denise is a little bit older than me she's much more savvy than me I was still like Miss Goody Two-Shoes like really was not like <laughs> confident, you know, whatever. Right. So she, she calls me and she's like, I'm on the set of this music video. You need to come down here to be in this music video. Um, and I was really sick. I was like deathly ill that day, oh, okay. but I kind of got myself out of bed. I'm like, okay, I'll come down. I think it was on the, I think it was at the universal lot. I think that's where it was. I drove down, but I felt awful. I mean, I had a fever and I was, I was really sick. I went down and I saw them making the video, but I could not like get myself to do anything and stay. I just, I was so sick. Now I probably would have, like, I probably would have just like taken as much medication as possible and be like, okay, paint me up, you know, whatever. (laughs) Fuck it, let's go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't know though, because I still, health is still number one, but, but yeah. she did this video. She was one of the primary like kind of characters in the video.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then she calls me like, I don't know how much time had passed, but it turns out Janet was going to be performing this song on the American Music Awards. Okay. And so they were hiring people who had been in the video to be the same characters so that it, you know, kind of matched the video. This is back in like 1990 or something like that. Right. Okay. So, so she's like, she calls me again and she's like, Allie, come down. We're at such and such rehearsal studio. We're rehearsing for the for the thing. You just got to come down here and crash rehearsal. I'm like, who does that? Yeah. Like, I'm like, uh, really? Like, they're not going to know. I'm not supposed to be. there. Like, no, Just come down. I can do that. So I did. I did that. And I was like, I just came in. And Janet's choreographers there, the Rhythm Nation dancers were there. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> people are amazing, right? They're epic. And then, like, these really cool, like, extras, like, were there, like, doing their cool dances. So I at the end of rehearsal, they're like, okay, go bring your driver's license or whatever over to the person. And they will make sure, you know, you get paid and all that stuff. So I just submitted my stuff. Like everyone else, I ended up getting paid to dance with Janet Jackson on the American music awards. And so we get to the awards and then all I'm doing is dancing in the background. I'm an extra, like I'm just doing like, I'm not like doing anything. The rhythm nation dances are, (laughs) you know, like this is even before I was even as good as I ever got dancing. (laughs) And, uh, And so I'm there, I got my hair done, I got my makeup done, I'm in these like crazy tights and this little outfit, and like three minutes, five minutes before showtime, they're like, oh, here, and they give me this huge, ugly mask to put over my head.
2: I'm like, this
1: is on national television, like, are you kidding? And I go up to Denise, and I'm like, Denise, they, they want me to put this over my face for this, and I'm really, you know, she's like, just don't do it and say you forgot. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'll spoil the whole thing. I was such an idiot. I put the mask on and whatever. <laughs> now I totally wouldn't. I'd be like, oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Like, I never saw those people again. Well, who cares? Yeah, exactly. I it. Like, it made a difference. Like, I came on, like, halfway through the song, and it was, like, in the background, like, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it was so cool and it was so fun. And afterwards, I met LL Cool J. This is before no he was an actor. Big LL Cool J fan, like, radio and all that stuff. So I was super stoked. It was really fun.
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That is so cool. I'm glad I thought about asking the follow-up.
1: Yeah, well, it was, was, again, (laughs) one of these, like, people do ask, like, do I have to move to L.A. or New York to do music? I'm like, no, you absolutely do not. But you will not get an opportunity like that. That's true. Like, the kind of, like, last minute, hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Like, so much, you You'd think that all this stuff is, like, super planned out. It's not. It's like at the last minute, people will get a creative like, bug up their ass and be like, oh, we need 50 singers. You know, I mean, like, why did people call me at the last minute for Neil Young's thing? Like, maybe at first they were just going to have 25 people, and then all of a sudden, I don't know. This is – I'm just totally –
0: conjecture, naked.
1: but – Yeah, conjecture. Like, maybe all of a sudden he's like, you know what? Rather than 25 people, let's have 100. So let's make it bigger calls- – yeah, I mean, I don't know how that happened, but it was literally the night before. So that doesn't happen when you're in Minnesota. Oh, well, actually, it could happen if for you know, Kelsey <laughs> Park, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you get called down to Prince's place or you know, back that's... in the day. Yeah, that would have
0: been cool. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you never know right? when that guy was alive. That oh, he was amazing he too. You also got a chance to wear a dress worn by a bloodstained dress worn by Betty yeah. Davis. <laughs>
1: And that was also from the dancing connection because I danced at Debbie Reynolds Studios. That's where I took my lessons, okay. my classes. And Debbie Reynolds had this fashion show where all of these dresses that she had owned and collected over the years—I guess she had a collection of, of all of these dresses. She's since, I think, she had sold them all off. Okay. The last time I'd heard. But um, yeah, it was like a fashion show, and so I got into these like
0: little tiny
1: ridiculous dresses with blood <laughs> on them. And everything. So from a movie.
0: Cool. But these, these are from a movie. This was uh...
1: Young Cass and also Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Wow! I
0: know. That's crazy. crazy. That's you know you're right. Only in only in L.A. Only
1: right? in L.A. Like that just doesn't happen in other places. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I don't think. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now I want to know a little bit more about uh, you. Back in 2013, you were diagnosed with, and I'm gonna totally. Jump <laughs> this up. Good luck with this one. <laughs> Walden Strums. Macroglobulinemia.
1: That's perfect! Wow, Boom. that's amazing! I'm so
0: impressed.
1: <laughs> it took me like three weeks to learn how to I, say that, and I, I don't even have it. I know <laughs> that's
0: impressive. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's you know that's that's why I do my research. So, so <laughs> tell me a little bit about what that is and what what it's meant to your career.
1: Um, it's a super rare. Form of um, non Hodgkin's lymphoma. So it's a rare form of cancer that usually hits white men in their 60s. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was the perfect candidate so, for
0: it. Wait, so it's already rare. Yeah. And you're not a white man in his 60s. 60s. So no, it's got to no. be even more rare. in.
1: Yeah. yeah, although sadly, more and more women are getting it. It seems oh, like it's kind of weird. You know, just like many cancers, we don't know why people get it, but lymphoma runs in my family and my mom's side of the family. My mom had an aggressive form of lymphoma 15 years ago and she's doing great now. My uncle, all kind of cancer, similar to my mom's and he's doing fine. Um, it's interesting. Mine is what they call an indolent form of cancer, which means it's very slow moving. So I probably had it for years and years and years before we even found out. Wow. And, but because of that it's incurable and they're looking for a cure, but I'm, I live with it. Um, and so, yeah, it definitely slowed me down for a minute. I had to go through chemo, and <laughs> wow. um, it was it was it was scary.
0: How did you find uh, out that you had it?
1: Oh, uh, it's crazy. I basically had a very pushy uh, insurance agent who was trying to sell us life insurance. My husband and
0: I. Uh, yeah, I've I've gone down <laughs> that road selling yeah. it, not 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 buying it. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. So, so he was he was trying to sell us this like long-term care slash life insurance. And we're like, okay, we'll try to be responsible adults and get some sort of life insurance. (laughs) And, um, and of course I'm the one who's like working out five days a week and watching what I eat and drink and like, blah, 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 blah. And my husband has never had to watch anything he eats. I mean, (laughs) he doesn't exercise and doesn't do jack shit, whatever. (laughs) So I'm like, honey, you need to drink water. We have, we're getting these blood tests. no, no, no. His blood test is fine, and they—the insurance guy calls me and he's like, "Yeah, there's a problem with your blood test. Um, they're not going to insure you." And I was wow. like, "What? What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Well, I'm not supposed to know this, <laughs> but <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: he got—he got it out of them what the values were that were like dangerous or whatever." And so I found out what they were, and I googled them, which is always a oh, bad that's so good, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but of course I was going to, you know. And so I googled like these three blood values, and like I, some website I went to was like, these are three of the four ominous signs. I'm like, ominous for what? What does that mean? Ominous, you know? That's not a good
2: word.
1: Yeah, it might be cancer. I don't know. But um, at first we thought it was just a mistake. Like I went to my doctor. He's like, oh, that looks like a mistake. Let's just do the. Test again with my lab, and it yeah. came back the same. So he sent me to a hematologist, which is a blood doctor, but it was hematology oncology, and I'm like, oh, mm. that doesn't sound good. I <laughs> you know, what
2: know that word means.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and my doctor is amazing. And um, basically, you know, I had a very high level of protein in my blood. And uh, I had to, like, I literally, he was like, yeah, we want to put you in treatment right away because it's really high right now. And um, the only symptom that I had noticed, and I just thought it was because I'm a really busy person, but I was exhausted a lot of the time. And like, I remember like complaining to my husband once, like in the middle of the day, I was like, honey, I'm so tired. I just want to just sleep. And it's like two o'clock. What's wrong with me? He's like, you're just tired. Just take a nap. You know, he's like very pro nap.
0: Right. So (laughs) yeah, I go, I agree with him.
1: Yeah. I, it's very healthy, but you know, my hemoglobin, you know, my red blood cell level was like seven points. It was really low. And that's why I was, I was so anemic. I was exhausted. So that explained it. So anyway, I ended up getting my first treatment, um, in the, over the like kind of, for several months of 2014. Okay. And then I had a big concert to celebrate that. It was like, I forget what we call it. I think it was called cancer can suck it. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it was a concert that's a that was shirt fun. that
0: slash would have wanted right there.
1: Oh yeah. that's a good, Maybe I should make that shirt. That'd be a good one. Exactly. Um, yeah. So then I was off treatment for a while and I would just get checked. You know, I go in for, periodic blood test. But then it started, my numbers started creeping back up. And that's just kind of what this cancer does. It's just, it's always there. You can't really get rid of it yet until they find a cure. Um, but I'm on now I'm on this amazing. Well, so what happened was it started creeping back up and I had made my, my record in 2016, the one that was released in
2: 2017.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And it turns out I went to one of these like folky conferences and met a I played the single that was the song that I thought was should be the single from the record at this like radio panel. And one of the radio guys was like, this song should be on the radio. This is a great song. So I talked to him and he's like, you know, I know some indie record labels and I want to introduce you to them whatever. So part of the reason it took longer to get that record out is because I was negotiating a record deal and I ended up getting my first record deal to put out that record in 2017. So basically I licensed that record because I had already made it and paid for it, but I licensed it to this other company. So they did some radio promo and, you know, other kinds of for me. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And it was very exciting for me because I had never worked with a record company before, but, and he really, the, the owner of the label, it was very important to him that I tour. So as we're approaching in 2017, as we're approaching the release of the record, I go to my oncologist and find out my numbers are creeping up, and I'm um, like, wow. what? Like, no, I'm not going to let cancer get in the way of my fucking career. Like, yeah. that is yeah. not like that is not a thing. You know, yeah. like, it's not <laughs> so I like I well I, I don't want to do chemo because even though the chemo that I went through, I could have done it again. It was not the harshest kind of chemo. Like I didn't lose my hair. I didn't even throw up, although I was very nauseous. Like oh. for two weeks at a time, I basically couldn't get out of bed, but, but I didn't lose my hair and I didn't actually throw up. Oh. So a little different from other kinds of chemo, but, um, it's not something you can tour with and your you know, your immune system yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, what can I do other than that? And it turns out there was a, Brand new drug that had been approved couple, a couple years, like right when I had first been diagnosed and had been approved. I'm like, well, why don't I try going on that? Because if I'm on that and that works, I can actually still tour. So I went on that drug um, in, in 2017 and was able to tour behind that record, which is wow. amazing.
2: That's yeah, awesome.
1: It, it is. It's, I now literally I take a pill a night and I keep it under control. And wow. so far, so good. I, you know, once a year I go back to Boston to um, Dana Farber, where there is a, an oncologist there who only sees people with my disease, oh, wow. which is like, that's pretty amazing because only like 1500 people a year are diagnosed with this condition. Oh, wow. So it's, it's very rare, but he specializes in it. So he and my doctor in LA kind of work together and I rely on him for like all the very latest updates and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that's that's cancer story. That's the cancer story.
0: <laughs> yeah, got that one out of story. the way.
2: Yeah, so, yeah.
0: But it, I mean, look, it hasn't yeah. dampened your spirits. You're you're making yeah. music, and you great sense of and humor. And I'm not so.
2: afraid
1: of it either. Like, I mean, a lot of people are afraid of the word cancer, yeah. and I'm not. And and it's also interesting. Like being, I still have a lot of friends in this kind of like new thought community where it's kind of like the whole like the secret thing. Like what you say is like, and I, I had people telling me like don't call it my cancer. It's not your, and I'm like, no, it, it's a part of me. It's, yeah. it's okay. It's not my enemy. I'm not trying to like, yes, I don't want to be overcome by cancer, but it's also like, it's okay. I can live with it. It's, it's okay. I'm just, I'm not going to let it overtake me, but it's, yeah. you know, it's, just, I'm not, I'm not afraid of it. It's not this enemy. It's just something that needs to be controlled. It's not like, going to go you,
0: away if you don't talk about it.
1: Right. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to be afraid of it and I don't. Yeah, and I, I don't let it rule my life either, yeah. but I also am very upfront about it. And it's amazing how many people I've met who've had cancer. And yeah. Like, it's insane. And I don't know if it's the environment or that just that I'm getting older and more people have had cancer <laughs> now. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I,
0: yeah. I've, I've had a couple of friends with it myself, and it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. You don't know, think about it. Yeah. You know? I have uh, my cousins. It's, so, it's, yeah. So. so what are you working on now? You got m- new music in the works?
1: yeah i'm I'm actually in pre-production for five new songs right okay. now, and yeah, I'm really excited. We're going in the studio next week to cut basic tracks oh great and yeah, I think what I'm gonna be doing is releasing a song a month on all the digital platforms as well as releasing all of my VIP fan club supporters they it's kind of like a patreon thing, but I don't mm. do patreon okay they, they they contribute a certain amount every month and so they're helping me fund all of these recordings. So they're going to get all the stuff before everybody else does. Um, and then I'll be releasing on like, you know, Spotify, Apple music. And eventually I'll put out my next record probably with some of these songs, some songs from a future five song session, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the the music industry is changing so much all the time. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, so- it's amazing. I, t- I spoke with, I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, it may have been Don Zantara. He, he produced a lot of early punk stuff in the D.C. area, like uh, Minor Threat, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bad Brains, did oh, some yeah. stuff with, with uh, Rollins and all that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: wow. I, you know, I'm, I have, it feels to me like music is kind of going back a little bit more towards what it was in the like, early 50s when rock and roll, yeah. everything was about the single.
1: Yeah, I and think was,
0: so so it and, and you know the p- platforms are a little different now but vinyls yeah. poised to outsell CDs for the first time in what 25 years or something like that so
1: I someone told me that that number though is in dollar amount not units
0: ah. which
1: surprised me because vinyl is much more expensive than CDs
2: that's yeah that is
1: but and it's more expensive to make but my fans want vinyl like I've never put out vinyl but I'm going to for my next record because they want it you know yeah,
0: that's awesome and it's I, I I love physical copies of stuff. I, yeah, I, I like the convenience of CDs. Mm-hmm. I'm not. A, I'm not opposed to vinyl. It's just a little harder for me to yeah. find a place to play it. But yeah. uh, I, if if I just download a song, I don't feel like I actually own it. So it, I love. Yeah, yeah. And being a, you know having the photography background, I love the artwork and and all.
1: Yeah, so. well, that's what's so cool about vinyl is like having the artwork big. Yeah. you know <laughs> that's yeah.
0: so cool. Like all those amazing Led Zeppelin covers.
1: Oh my yeah. God! I know the hours I spent pouring over just all of
0: those, you know, Every, the watercolor. One. Yeah, you get a download, you get a JPEG, but how often are you going to pull that up when you're? I
1: looking? never ever looked at any of the, that stuff.
0: Exactly, yeah. you don't. You, you put it on whatever, you know, a player you've got, and you hit shuffle, yeah. and then you never look at the, the the picture that comes with it. It's it's a shame. So. Yeah, yeah. Where can people follow you? How can they become VIPs? How can they get your newsletter? Yeah, they can um,
1: find me, I'm pretty much everywhere on all the social media, but it's, uh, my website is AllieHandle.com, it's A-L-I-H-A-N-D-A-L.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter, and if you're connected with me that way, you'll know about everything before everybody else does, but I'm also on Facebook, Allie Handle Music, and Instagram, and I don't really check my Twitter, I mean, I have an account, but I don't ever look at it.
0: Twitter's the worst.
1: Don't send me anything because I (laughs) won't see it.
0: (laughs) Twitter is the absolute worst.
1: Comedians love Twitter.
0: Oh, yeah. That's it. Comedians
1: love Twitter. Musicians are more Instagram. But I've really found a big majority of my fans on Facebook.
0: Oh, cool.
1: Your Facebook ads. Yeah. It's, like, incredible.
0: That's awesome. Do you do a lot of touring now lately or i
1: haven't but i'm going to next year and primarily because of the fans that i've found via facebook um i'm planning on doing a lot of touring next year
0: oh you're so. coming to the east coast you think
1: oh definitely definitely awesome yeah. where, are you, where are you located
0: i'm outside of dc i'm in winchester oh, you're outside
1: of dc okay okay yeah definitely so I, def- I need to get back down there yeah yes. Maryland, the, area. the area
0: if you come the area, in Help me, uh, help me out with like a media pass. I'll, I'll take some pictures. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I would
0: love to meet you in person. And after yeah. this, I'll, if you don't mind, I will I'll, through our Skype chat. I'll shoot you a couple of photos just to make just so oh, you know yeah. I'm not full of shit. So. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> I
1: wouldn't. I didn't think that
0: anyway. <laughs> I'm host a podcast. That I'm j- all I am is full of shit. <laughs> but not as a photographer. I'm a legit. Well we photographer. didn't
1: talk about anxiety at all.
0: <laughs> no, that's exactly. So that's. <laughs> Allie Handel, everybody. Thank you so okay. much for, for spending so much yeah. time with me. Oh, no worries. It was fun. Oh, I'm glad. It's <laughs> an awesome story. So I'm, I'm really glad you got a chance to tell them.
1: My class heritage. Big old silver spoon. Sugar daddy who would buy you the moon. You're always talking about.